What are you devoted to? We're, we're all devoted people. We're all devoted to things that are special to us, to ideas we cherish. This morning, we have mentioned that it's Independence Day weekend. Our country is devoted to the idea of independence. We, we pride ourselves in general on our independence. Family is another one of those things that, that most of us are devoted to. This past week, for example, or I guess it was two weeks ago now, I've been back from vacation for a week, it goes fast, but an example of devotion is while I was in North Dakota, I ordered something online, and, and the company said that it would take four to ten days to arrive. So I waited till it was four days from Monday. I figured that would ensure that I'm home before it arrives because it never comes in the shortest time frame. But even four days, I'd be good. It, it would be home. Well, so I ordered this item, and I immediately receive a note, or a very shortly received note from the company that the item's already shipped and will be there in two days. Well, we're still in North Dakota. So I, what did I do? I called my daughter. I asked her, will you stop by the house and pick up this package for me? I know that she's rightly devoted to me as her father. She was willing to do so. In fact, it was her second trip already to pick packages up the week we were gone. So it's an example of her devotion to, to family members. She would go out of her way and pick up these packages, put them in the house so that they were there when we came home rather than in somebody else's house because they were taken by the porch pirates. We're, we're devoted to friends. That's another thing that we're commonly devoted to. Yesterday, the Russells were moving, and several people from the church family helped load up their moving trucks. That, that action shows devotion that's been developed to them as friends over the years of their participation with us. As we were loading things on the truck, Terry mentioned that the, the, the smoker was the most precious thing to handle as we loaded on the truck, his smoker grill, Terry is devoted to his barbecue. We're devoted to things. We get that. We're devoted people. We're family members, friends. We're devoted to other things. The question I want to pose to you this morning, are you equally devoted to prayer? Are we devoted to prayer? We'll see this morning that if we know Jesus Christ as Savior, the answer needs to be yes. Prayer needs to be one of the things to which we are devoted as Christians. We're returning this morning to the series on developing genuine love that we've been looking at for quite some time. I will tell you after this morning we'll take another break as this coming Sunday, uh, Brian Glante and myself will be joining our missionary Scott Williquet on Saturday and driving to Virginia where we're going to attend the, the Baptist Fellowship Association Conference. Uh, the Baptist Fellowship Association is a group of churches that I'm examining to see if they are potential partners for us to unite with as we seek to plant a church in Detroit. Uh, I'm sure after that conference next week I'll have more to tell you about it, but that's where we'll be next week. So we'll take another break, even though I was gone last week, and we'll, take a, a, we'll be here in this series today, and then we'll take a break again next week. You'll have a, a guest speaker as Aaron is also on vacation. Anyway, as, as you know by now in this series, love for one another is to be the distinguishing mark that we have as Christians. We are to be known by our love. It's the thing that sets us apart from the unsaved world. 
That, that means getting love right is critical. Developing should be more than just a passing concern to us. It should be a vital concern for us because it displays that we are genuine followers of Christ. As we've been observing for several weeks, Paul gives us a list. In Romans 12, he lists out a number of characteristics of love, and then he also tells us some of the things that need to be in our lives to develop these characteristics. With this list, he he identifies this, but he also encourages us to develop love. Paul's not just giving us intellectual information. He's, He's encouraging us that we need to develop this genuine mark of Christianity. So what we've been trying to do over these past weeks is to to take this list, to use it to examine our own lives, to to evaluate our love, and then push ourselves to ensure that our love is genuine, that, that we are truly loving the way we ought as Christians. If you haven't already turned to Romans 12, I encourage you to do that. Paul begins the list in verse 9 of, of Romans chapter 12, and so far we've looked at these items from his list. Let love be without hypocrisy. That's the overall idea that we are to have genuine love, love without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. That's how far we've gone so far. When we started looking at verse 12 a, a few weeks ago, I, I explained that, that Paul seems to be progressing from characteristics of love to the environment that we need to have in our lives that, that will produce love, the, the things that need to be there to let love grow. In, in verse 12, Paul gives us three different things that, that are closely related. The natural partners that, that all work together to give us a proper mindset so that love will grow from thinking rightly. It gives us this fertile soil in our mind that lets love grow. He gives hope, perseverance, and prayer. That first phrase, rejoicing in hope, we, we concluded that means that, that genuine love flourishes when our joy is fixed on our future hope, the promises that God has given us. We need a hope-filled joy for love to flourish. From the phrase persevering in tribulation, we, we determine that, that persisting through the hardships that come into our lives, that enables us to show genuine love. We can only show love when, when we persist. Persevering gives a depth to our love that, that puts on display. This morning, we're going to look at the third item, prayer. Prayer. Much like Paul already in this letter back in chapter 8, in verses 24 through 27, Paul follows hope and tribulation with prayer. He does so again here. He links these three things together by writing the third element in verse 12, devoted to prayer. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Our goal this morning is to understand how this element comes into play, how this devotion to prayer connects to building an environment for our lives that that will allow us to show genuine love. To to begin exploring that that connection, the the first thing that we need to recognize, the first item this morning to recognize is, is that prayer requires our persistence, 
our persistence. You, you may recall from the way Paul wrote most of these phrases in the original language, he, his emphasis is on what would be the, the last word in the way we have in English. Our translators had to flip things around from the original. In, in the original, Paul put the emphasis on hope. He put the emphasis on tribulation, and he puts the emphasis on prayer. He, he did that first, you know, by, by writing them first, but in English it flows better to, to reorganize things. But his emphasis here is on the word prayer. Prayer. That's the important part. That's the, the emphasis part. Well, there's nothing unusual about the word prayer here. It's one of the common New Testament words that, that's used for prayer. Specifically, this word describes the idea of petitions. When, when we take our requests to God, when we ask God for something, the, the word in Greek simply means making a petition of a deity. Well, we know there's only one true deity, the real God of the universe, when we take our petitions to him, this is a natural word for that. It, it describes that action of going to God, asking him for things through prayer. Frankly, this is the aspect of prayer we, we best understand. We, we get the idea of asking God for things. If we simply listen to any of our, our normal prayer meetings or prayer times, we, we quickly hear requests. We, we are good at asking God for things. In fact, I've had several of the men tell me as, uh, that's been a challenge for them to prepare the, the prayer praise that, that we have in, at the beginning of our services. The, it's not that it's hard for the men to, to give praise to God. They, they read the scripture passages each week, and there's always something in the scripture, many somethings, that, for which they can praise God. So, so the idea of praising God is not the hard part. The hard part is to do that without asking for something, to, to not include any of the, the, the normal things of request, to, to not include things like, God, please, God, may you, God, help us. It's just so natural to flow that into our prayer that it's hard to stay away from all requests and simply praise God. We're accustomed to to including petitions in our prayer. We, we understand that, that prayer frequently involves asking God for things. So, so there's not really anything of note about the word prayer here. There is a bit more complication that enters in with the verb that Paul uses, though. The, the verb that we have in the New American Standard translated as devoted. We, we have devoted to prayer. The, the idea there of being devoted, that, that's a good way of translating what Paul writes as a verb. But, but our English word may miss a nuance that the, the Greek word that Paul uses has when we think of devoted. The, the Greek word has this idea of devotion, but, but it also includes the idea of persistence. It, it means to persist in an activity to the point of devotion. Wait, we cannot miss the idea of persistence that, that's required in our prayer. Christ, our Savior, has given us multiple parables that illustrate the idea of persistence. For example, Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, starting in, in verse 5 of that chapter, Suppose one of you has a friend, and, and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, loan me or lend me some three loaves. 
For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and said, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet, because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Our Lord gives us this idea of persistence through that parable. In another point, we have the parable of the unrighteous judge. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 2. The Lord says, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet this widow bothers me. I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by coming continually, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? There there is this idea of persistence that that our Lord has told us there. And and we are to persist in prayer. Paul, Paul is bringing out this idea in the word that he uses that we have translated, devoted. That's the idea that we need to make sure we include. This, this nuance may be seen even more clearly where this word shows up in another context of prayer. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. In Acts chapter 6, the, the, the apostles are, are choosing men to take over some of the care ministry that, that's been consuming their time because they say, we will devote ourselves, there's our word, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It's clearly from the way they're using that word there that they mean we must persist in prayer and the ministry of the word. We can't be distracted by these other things. We need to persevere, persist in in this primary duty. Devotion means to persist. Now my best guess is that this idea is not hard for us to understand this morning. We, we get what it means to persist in something. We, we can even understand, I think intellectually, how that concept applies to prayer. We know the idea. But are we doing it? Are our lives marked by persistence in prayer? Persistence in prayer takes intentional effort. It takes work to develop persistence. You know, one of the most useful skills that I have developed in my own life is the, the skill of typing. It has done well for me over the years. I, I'm by no means an exceedingly fast typist, but I do okay. I can type faster than I can write. For the most part, I don't even think about the words as I'm typing it. I just think about the word I want and I watch it appear on the screen. My fingers are doing the the work. My my brain is not engaged in letter by letter thinking it through. 
When it comes to making a space after a sentence, I never think about that. It just appears as I hit the period and the space bar comes right after it. Over the years, I have learned to type. I learned it back in high school. I learned how to type. I've used that skill over the years, and now I've literally typed thousands of pages. Yet that learning took persistence. I remember high school typing class, having the books set by me, and, and going through the drills that, first of all, taught my fingers where the keys were on the keyboard, orientated me to that keyboard. And there were drills to, to learn where new letters were placed. And then there were other drills to teach me to speed up my typing, to, to learn to do it faster and faster, and to, to rely on muscle memory without thinking through each, each step. Drill after drill after drill. And we did all that on old manual typewriters because of that day we only had three electric typewriters in our class and we had to rotate through these newfangled luxury items called electric typewriters. We learned on the old manual. It was a year of persistent effort to learn to type. It was a persistent effort called typing class. Now I can contrast the, the skill of learning to type with another class I took to develop a skill. In college, I took a class on speed reading. Since college, I've literally read thousands and thousands of pages. Thousands and thousands. Yet, I'm not a speed reader at all. I am an average to slow reader. What's the difference between typing and speed reading? The, the speed reading class, it, it had many drills that were similar to the drills we had in typing. Drills that were designed to teach me new skills to read fast. By, by the time the class completed, I was able to read at three to four times my pre-class reading speed and was increasing. But I didn't like reading that way. So I quit using the skills. I did not persist in speed reading, and for that reason, I cannot read with great speed now. I am a slow reader. Let me ask you, when it comes to prayer, does your persistence in prayer resemble my typing skills or my speed reading skills? How many times do we commit ourselves to praying for a specific request? But after a few days, that, that request is out of our minds. How many times do we commit ourselves to, to carving out time in our schedule for prayer? Yet soon that time is overtaken by other things. How many times do we mentally acknowledge that, that we need to join the various church prayer times on Wednesday night or Thursday morning because we hear a sermon like this and we're convicted and say, I need to be part of that. But by Wednesday evening or, or Thursday morning, our schedule's filled up with other things. And it no longer includes corporate prayer time. Prayer requires our persistence. That's the first thing we need to recognize as we consider how prayer factors into our goal of developing general, genuine love. Prayer needs persistence. It requires it. The second thing to recognize is that prayer displays our devotion. It displays our devotion. I said earlier that devotion is a good translation of the Greek word that, that Paul uses. 
That, that Greek word certainly contains the idea that our English word devotion has. In English, devotion means loyalty or enthusiasm for a person or an activity or a cause. We're devoted to these things because we're loyal or enthused by it. We, we know things that, that we're loyal to or things that we're enthused about. We know those things simply by looking at how we use our time. What are the things we give our attention to? Where do we spend our energy? Where do we put our money? Those things are the ones that we are devoted to. For example, anyone who knows me knows that I absolutely abhor getting up early. I just abhor it. I, it ranks among my least favorite things to do. And yet, I am happily willing to get up early enough in the fall so that I can be in the deer blind before the sun comes up by a large degree. Why would I do something that I despise like that? My wife, frankly, finds it amazing. She, it's most incredible to her because she knows how I hate getting up early. So why do I do it? It's because I enjoy deer hunting. In fact, my, my actions of doing this, for me anyway, was a very unpleasant thing. It, it shows the level of devotion that I have to hunting. In a similar way, spending time in prayer shows our devotion to, to the people we are praying for. Are we devoted to one another as we ought to be? Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Are we devoted? Well, if we're praying for each other, that shows our level of devotion. We have taken a chunk out of our time and chosen to spend it on them by praying for them. That shows our devotion. At the same time, when we take a chunk of our time and we spend it talking to God in prayer, much more than even showing our devotion to others, it shows our devotion to God. It shows that we are devoted to our God because we are taking time, the most valuable resource any of us have, the most limited resource, the resource that we use to generate all the other resources we have, we're taking our time in giving it to God. When I look at my normal week, the person who I'm going to use the, the word for lack of a better word, the person who consumes the, the most of my time is grace. When you just look at my activities that I do during the week and match them up to people that, that I do those activities for or with, grace comes out on top. Yet, I feel that most of the things that I'm doing for or with grace is a joy. It's not a burden. I love spending time with my wife. I enjoy spending time with her. And I know that many of the things that I do simply reflect that devotion that I have to her. As does in return, when she spends time for me, it shows her devotion to me. And anyone who observes how we spend our time, they see our devotion for one another. Well, the time we spend with God shows our devotion to Him. What does your time reveal? Are you devoted to God? Let's remember, Paul gave this phrase to us in, in a context where it becomes a command. Be devoted 
to prayer. Be devoted. We are to be devoted to prayer. Obeying this particular injunction is a requirement of our Christian life. But it's an injunction that also, by being obedient to it, puts our devotion to God on display. And when we fail in this area of our Christian lives, we are displaying a lack of devotion to our God. The time we spend with God shows our devotion to Him. So what does your time reveal? Are you devoted to God? Let's circle back to that weekly prayer times that that we have as a church. What keeps you from showing your devotion to God by by coming out on Wednesday night or men Thursday morning for time of prayer? What keeps us from that? I know for many of us men, 7 a.m. is early. I hate getting up early. I know that Wednesday night can conflict with some of our work schedules. So can 7 a.m. for some of us. But I also know that many of us, if we want to badly enough, can rearrange our schedules to make time for these things. Not all of us, but many of us can. For many of us, the, the problem really isn't our schedule. The problem is our devotion. Our devotion to God. Prayer displays our devotion. Our devotion to others and ultimately to God. This item from Paul's list on genuine love that we're considering this morning, devoted to prayer, is another element here. We've considered the phrase, we we recognize that, that prayer requires our persistence and prayer displays our devotion. What we haven't done is connect that idea of prayer, being devoted to it, to developing genuine love. How do these fit together? What's the link? How do they connect? We still need to make that connection. If we think about it for a moment, though, I believe we can. I believe we can see how they connect. And the connection is that prayer obtains God's help in showing genuine love to others. Prayer obtains God's help. That's how I'm going toward the main idea that I want us to take away today. Prayer obtains God's help in showing genuine love to others. Prayer, this persistent prayer, this devoted prayer, that's the tool that God has given us to get His aid in this objection that we have, or or this objective, rather, that we have to show love to others. We can get God's aid in our Christian lives. Let's be clear. Prayer is not one of the things to which we will naturally find ourselves inclined. Prayer takes effort. It takes time. It's not going to jump to the top of the list of things that we naturally find most enjoyable on its own. I would hope by now, though, that we all know that there are many things that are important. Even most of the most important things in life, they're not naturally enjoyable. That's certainly true in our spiritual life. We we can learn to truly enjoy prayer, but it is a learned enjoyment. It's not one that happens naturally. I've mentioned multiple times that prayer takes time. And yet, it's not idle time. 
We, we can idle away countless hours. We can let our brain move into idle mode and, and spend countless hours scrolling through social media or just looking at the television set with our brain very little engaged. Prayer is not like that. Prayer takes concentration. We have to maintain an extended mental effort. In fact, we have to extend ourselves in a mental manner that's becoming increasingly foreign in our culture. If you think about our culture, you can observe that television commercials are coming closer and closer together. And that's not just so that the, the, the broadcasters can fit more advertisements in and get more money. They're coming closer together because our attention spans are becoming shorter. Short tweets are replacing blog posts, and blog posts have already largely re- replaced books when it comes to analysis of, of, of serious topics. News is being reduced to sound bites rather than extended analysis. Our phones encourage us to jump from one thing to another because we constantly have, have notifications popping up on us and they, they convince us that we can do that in our minds when the reality is we cannot. All we can do is rapidly flip from focusing on one thing to another and we lose the ability to have extended focus. Our culture is training us in countless ways, to not maintain extended mental focus. But prayer requires us to swim against the current of our culture. That alone makes it unnatural. It's unnatural to go against what our culture says is normal. Furthermore, prayer engages us in a spiritual activity, activity that the Bible depicts in many places as spiritual warfare, You put that all together and there's nothing about prayer that our our naturally self-indulgent selves will find appealing. So how can prayer become something that we learn to enjoy? Well, it begins by discovering what prayer does. As we learn what it does, we can learn to enjoy it. As Christians, as those who are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, who have accepted that he died on the cross on our behalf, prayer brings us into communion with our Father. Prayer without Christ is meaningless. Even though many people in our country offer prayers, they're going no higher than the ceiling because they don't know Jesus as Savior. They've never bowed before him, accepted that he died in their place. But prayer through Jesus brings us into communion with the Father. And as we do that, it enlists his age in all of these spiritual battles that we're facing. We can turn to God and and bring him into the battle. The God who spoke this world into existence will throw his power into our battles. The the God who who displays his wisdom by by finding a, a way to save us from our sins while maintaining his holiness. He will throw his wisdom into our battles. That the God who gave his own son to die for our sins will throw his love into our battles. As we learn these things about prayer, as we experience such things through prayer, we will learn to truly enjoy prayer. What we need to understand is that developing and showing genuine love 
is a spiritual battle. There's nothing natural about genuine love. The reason it is a distinguishing mark of a Christian is because it is supernatural. We've said that from the beginning of this series. We've hit that point over and over from the first week of this series onward. Genuine love is others-focused. Our sin nature is self-focused. There is nothing natural about genuine love. We are naturally self-focused. Only the grace of God transforming us to, to become like our Savior can turn self-focused people like, like you and I into other-focused Christians. And it's only other-focused Christians who can display genuine love. We need God's help to do that. Desperately need God's help. We have no chance of loving in the manner that Paul has laid out in this list without God's aid. The only way that God has given us to access his, his aid in this means is through prayer. We need to be devoted to prayer because we need God's help to show genuine love to others. Prayer obtains God's help in showing genuine love to others. As I said at the outset, Katie showed her devotion to me as her father by making that unplanned trip to our house to pick up a package while we were gone. The, the Russells experienced the devotion of people as they came alongside and helped them load up their moving truck. We, we understand devoted devotion that way. We are devoted people. The question is, are we devoted to prayer? The, this morning we've seen that we must be devoted to prayer. If we are going to show genuine love to others, we must be devoted to prayer. Prayer requires our persistence. Prayer displays our devotion. Prayer obtains God's help to show genuine love to others. Let's be men and women of prayer. Father, I ask you to come to our aid this morning. As we've said, we desperately need your aid when it comes to even this aspect of showing genuine love, being devoted to prayer. We are not naturally inclined to devote ourselves to praying. Instead, we're naturally inclined to going our own way, trying to solve our own problems through our own efforts. Turning you is too often our last recourse. Oh, Father, forgive us for that. Help us be men and women who are devoted to prayer. Joyfully spending time with you. Seeking your aid so that we can be men and women who show love to others, magnifying our Savior, Jesus Christ, joyfully displaying him to the world around us that needs to know him so desperately because we are empowered, enabled by you through our prayer. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen.